What's up, guys? Zach Castro's here again. Second episode of what I'm calling the Zach Castro Show. I really appreciate for those of you who tuned into the first one and, and sent me some positive vibes. Thank you. Makes uh, doing the second one a little bit easier. And and it's funny because this week, I said I was coming back this week. Here I am. Told you I would. I'm here. But to be honest, I mean, I had a lot of things kind of bouncing around in my brain about what I wanted to talk about, what I thought might be helpful to talk about. But there was nothing that was like just really standing out this time. And so that makes it a little bit more challenging. But I promised you I was going to do it. So I'm here and I'm going to keep doing this because I think it's important. I think we need more people to stand up and to say what they think and to do it respectfully and to do it the way we talked about in the last video, right? Where we're still walking in the fruits of the spirit. And so I'm going to try my best to do that today because what I want to talk about today in all reality, I was, I've been pretty upset. Um, maybe upset's the wrong word, just pretty frustrated with it. And, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about it because as I stated in the first episode, it's really hard to delineate life in these parallel tracks, right? So you can kind of keep this, this part of life separate from this one, because it's like a it's like a spider web, right? It's all mush mashing together, or it's like looking at the Houston freeway system from a, from an aerial, right? Or whatever. It's just it's not running in parallel. It's all intersecting and diverging and converging, and and that's reality and the challenge of life for for all of us is to try and make sense of that and figure out where to go and how to get there and which way is the best way and the fastest and the most efficient and all those different things and. And so in, in the first episode, I talked about kind of how I look at life in these five pillars. And, and the first pillar is my faith and your faith and, and everyone's faith, no matter what it's in. And it might be in yourself. It might be in the government, it might be in God, whatever. But it's a pillar because that's how you process all the decisions you make in life is what do you have faith in? What is the thing that you put your hope in? The next thing is um, your relationships, right? We're relational beings. Relationships are what primarily, at least in my mind, make us human. It's what make us different. And then we're looking at our health. I mean, it, your health, if you don't have your health, you don't have a lot uh, in terms of sort of what you're clinging to, to, to be excited about in, in terms of this life or the next day. It's, it's like what you, what you need in order to enjoy life to the fullest in that way is health. And it's important. And then, and then we have money and business, right? And work. And I didn't include politics in there because I don't think of politics as a pillar. I think of politics as something that affects those five pillars. And I didn't know how soon I would get into the politics conversation. And, and, but I am today because I am so tired of listening to politicians on every side of the aisle try to oversimplify problems that are very complicated. And what, what they so often do is they, they, come up with these solution statements and they say, we have a solution to this great problem and it's really simple and it's just X. And then you look at the problem they're trying to solve with this really simple solution and you just go, that's insanity. I mean, this is a very complicated problem. It will not be solved with some very simple broad, broad brush solution. And the, the particular thing that I want to talk about today is I live in Washington state. I think I mentioned that last time and we have this great governor, Governor Inslee. Some people think he's great. I'm not a huge fan, but but I don't want to be disrespectful, so I, I 
If that came across disrespectful, I'm sorry, that's not the intent. The intent is to say that we have a governor, and this particular governor is all about telling everyone that he and the government can solve all of their problems, all of your problems, all of my problems, if he just had some more money. If he just had more money, he could solve the problem. And I hear that all the time from all the politicians on all sides of the aisle, although one side seems to advocate publicly more for tax increases than the other, and yet they're both equally horrible at spending and their track record on spending. But yesterday, our governor came out and he said, hey, I've got a budget proposal for this next legislative session. And that proposal is going to include a capital gains tax and an increase in the B&O tax on businesses in, in Washington state. And the B&O tax is like an excise tax. It's uh, essentially the most unfair tax that there is in the history of taxation because it's not a tax on profit. It's a tax on revenue. And I don't even think that that's really constitutional, but you know, it doesn't seem like we care much about the constitution anymore. But, but literally it's like, it's saying on one hand, this governor, he says, I care about business and, and I want these businesses to survive and they matter and we want to help them. And then on the other hand, he says, but I don't really care that much because what I really want to do is I just want you to pay more money because I think I can solve the world's problems better than you. And so he wants to increase the excise tax. And I think it's interesting he picked excise tax because excise tax probably generates a lot more revenue because it's on the top line. It's on the total revenue of an organization instead of, right, on, let's say, profits. Especially in an environment like COVID where a lot of businesses don't have any profits. So I don't know how you can say that you like small business or big business and you care about business and you're supportive about business and then, and then you shut business down and then you just tell business, oh, and by the way, I'm raising your taxes because we need you to, to contribute more. We've already asked you to shut down your life. We've already asked you to lay off your staff. We've already asked you to um, do everything that we're telling you to do, whether it's right or wrong, constitutional or not. But by the way, to add insult to injury, we're gonna ask you to pay more taxes on the money you're not making. Uh, I think that that's a really short-sighted approach by the governor. I probably, well, I don't, who knows in Washington, but I, I hope that at some point that kind of approach backfires on him because at some point, and, and you're seeing it in California, like businesses start to leave. Productive people start to leave. And this is, I've just never been one of those people. I think one of the things that gives business a bad rap is certain business people are really obnoxious, right? And they're really arrogant. And so I don't think that a business owner is any more important than any of the people that work in the business. I don't. I think the business owner plays a different role than the people that work in the business. And all roles are important. Every role on a team, like if you're on a baseball team, you need a second baseman. And the second baseman is no less important than the pitcher or the center fielder or the catcher. You need them all. They got to work as a team. And the better they work as a team, the more successful they are. Well, that's, that's how I look at business the CEO or the, or the business owner, that's their role. They're like the coach. And then they got players, but they can't win the game without the players. And so I think that what the pu public and the press and the, the government has done such a great job recently, and it's crazy because if you go back and look at how communism started to take over the world, they did the same thing, is they pit business owners, right, against their staff and their employees.
And yes, there are times where that is necessary. And just like there are times where the opposite is necessary, but by and large, most, especially small businesses are in their community. They're trying to do the best they can. They're trying to provide a, a, an organization that can help their staff make a living and thrive in their community. And yet we have villainized a whole group of people. And eventually those people just start leaving and they start going somewhere else. And then those areas that they leave start to lag. I mean, look at, look at Detroit today. Look at some of these places that used to be booming towns and then industry, work, business left. And for, for like decades, it's been poverty. So, so it just boggles my mind that we aren't pro business because who pays the taxes? Well, the business pays taxes, but more importantly, the wages that people earn from what the business does pays most of the taxes. So I'm looking at this going, okay, we're coming hopefully, hopefully out of COVID. And yes, every single government in all of America is looking at a, at a revenue decline. Now, for me, when I run my business and I'm looking at a revenue decline, is the first thing I think to do is go raise prices on my customer? Yeah, if I'm an idiot, if I want to lose all my customers, then the first thing I do is go raise, cut, raise prices. But no, we don't get to do that in the private sector. Instead, what we get to do is we get to go and look at where do we cut costs? Where do we start to kind of chop off some of the fat that that is there that we don't need. And everyone I hear, they say, well, the bit, no, the government can't do that. There is no fat. And I'm like, you've never done a deal with the government. I do deals with the government all the time in my business. And I can tell you, they always overpay, always. And not because necessarily they want to, but that's how the system is baked. Davis Bacon wages, right? 17 page RFPs, RFQs. I mean, all the bloat, all the extra, all the stuff. You ask anybody that deals with the government on a daily basis, on a yearly basis, and they'll tell you there's more fat in the government than, than there exists anywhere in the private sector. And no matter how big a business is, that's how it's baked in because they don't have the reality of, Hey, if I raise prices too high, like my customers will go find another business to buy from. No, they have a monopoly. The very thing they tell us that we can't have that are so evil and dangerous, we continue to create more and more of in our government and specifically in our federal government, but in states like Washington, also in our state government. And so, again, I, I wasn't planning on getting into the political sphere so quickly, but, but I really think that they've done a very good job at pitting workers and, and, and employees against the people who are trying to run the business. And instead, I think what we should be doing is we should be coming together, both employees and employers, business owners and non-business owners. And we should be saying, for goodness sake, what we should be doing in 2021, like there's another day and another year to fight about taxes. It sure as hell ain't 2021. 2021 should be, what do we have to do to get businesses back on their feet, to get people back in their jobs, to get prosperity coming again? That's what 2021 should be. And you can sit here and say, oh, but that, you know, that only applies to a certain segment of the population, yada, yada, yada. It's not fair for the, it's like, yeah, okay. We're not going to employ everybody tomorrow. There's not going to be perfect equity tomorrow, but you know, the best shot that we have at doing the best good for the most amount of people is to get people back in their jobs to get businesses successful again, to get them thriving again. And it's not because business 
is the end all be all. And I think that's where in some of our way, in some ways the business people are losing the, the, the battle in the conversation is I don't like to talk about it, about the business specifically. What I like to talk about is the livelihood. People's livelihoods come from the work that they do. And when you take away the work, you take away the livelihood. So all these draconian measures that are telling people you can't go to work, that your work doesn't matter, that you're not essential, that what you do isn't essential is basically saying your livelihood is not important. And it's not like they've given you a bunch of money. They haven't done anything for months on any side. And I understand the arguments of why on this side they haven't, why it doesn't matter. What matters is what they do have control over is not raising taxes next year, is, is waiting a, until things are, I don't know, halfway back to normal before we start fighting about stealing your money. What we should be talking about is solving the current problem. And the current problem is, listen, there are a lot of people who aren't working, who can't work, who have been told they're not supposed to work, and they don't know how to pay their bills. And listen, if we put their business under, their livelihood goes away. And then they're relying on the state. And, oh, I don't know, where does the state or the federal government get their money? From taxes. But if there's no one to tax because we've destroyed all the business, how do you get any money to do all the things you want to do? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And, and I just, I go back to where I started. I think I'm, I'm just, I'm so sick of these idealistic outbursts from people in power trying to say, hey, if we just do this one little simple thing, everything's going to get better. Because listen, in Washington and in where I live in Washington, we have this awful homeless problem. And we have it a lot up and down the West Coast and up and down the East Coast. And there are people out there who are saying that there's these really simple solutions. We just need more money. We'll put all these folks in housing and everything will get better. And it's like, well, but that's not true. The truth is homelessness, especially to the degree we're seeing it, is a very complicated issue. It requires multiple different lanes of solution, all of which need their own attention, funding, etc., and if we just keep trying to simplify these things so people can understand them and they sound good, they'll keep getting worse. Because guess what? I've lived in this town, like I said, for 22-ish uh, years. And I've watched every year the homeless problem, especially in the last, let's say, 10 years, get worse. But we, cre we created the home fund. And we started funneling money into these things. It's not working. It's getting worse. And I'm not saying that those things aren't worthwhile endeavors. I'm not saying that those things aren't things we need to explore. They are things we need to explore, but we can't oversimplify the problem. And if we oversimplify, <laughs> sorry, if we oversimplify the problem and then we oversimplify the solution, the problem just keeps getting worse. And that's what we're doing, in my opinion, every time we say, hey, if you just let us take more money from people who allegedly have it, we'll fix all the problems for the people who don't have it. So far, the track record on that is pretty bad. I looked it up. I might be off one or two here, but I'm pretty sure that when you look at tax revenue per capita, per state, Washington ranks about the eighth highest. Okay. Why is it then that we need more taxes when there are other states who have lower per capita tax revenue per person or per year, I should say, why is it that we need more when they do more with less? That's what we should start asking. We need to start holding policymakers accountable because they keep promising us things and then they keep 
taking things from us, and then things don't get better. And so at some point, we have to step back and say, okay, we don't want to keep trying the things that haven't worked. We want to try new things. And that's one of the things I, I continue to harp on in meetings that I'm a part of in my community is, hey, if, if we want to fix the problems that are unique to our generation, we need to try innovative solutions. And just taxing people more is not an innovative solution. We have been trying that since the history of taxation. Some things have gotten better in some ways. Other things have gotten substantially worse. And so I look at it and I go, we have brilliant people alive today. We have brilliant, reasonable people who can get in a, in a room or on a Zoom call today and have a conversation and put their heads together and try something new, right? You don't go where you've never been by doing something that you've already done. You got to do something you've never done in order to get somewhere you've never gone. And we're not doing that. And so often we're not doing it because it sounds good. Because if you just tell this constituency what they want to hear, that you'll, you'll stay in power, but it's not going to change anything. I think the reasonable people that I deal with every day, the real reasonable people I have conversations with are tired of that. And they're sitting there and they're saying, no, I think it's time. I think it's time that we put our heads together, that we reach across the aisle. And we have reasonable conversations about realistic solutions. And that is not in my opinion, in 2021, when businesses aren't even back to work yet, to tax them more. And then on top of that, capital gains tax, then like individuals who are really not on top of the game in so many ways right now. Oh yeah, we're going to tax them more too. Right. And then, but here's the kicker. Then they go, oh, but you know, we're only going to do that to rich people. Right. Yeah, I'm sure until you need more money. And then you ratchet the tear down and then you ratchet the tear down and then inflation kicks in. And before you know it, people who are middle income all of a sudden are in the upper echelon of what they set their threshold for. And everybody's paying the extra taxes. You know, I've been tracking this for eight, nine, 10 years in Washington. You look on the ballot every year and with the exception of some school levies, without exception or almost without exception, tax increases that are put on the ballot are almost always voted down. And I'm talking like two-thirds, one-third. And then they go back and they put things on the ballot where the legislature had already voted to increase taxes, and they say, do you want to repeal this? And almost every single time, the populace votes to appeal the tax. Why is that? Because nobody wants the government to take more of our stuff because the government doesn't even do a good job, in most cases, with what they've already taken. Go to the DMV. It's not a very good experience. Go to the Social Security office. Not a very good experience. Go to any of these places that are run by the government where they have a monopoly and you don't have another choice or another option, and it's awful. Like maybe the state parks is an exception. I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time there. But, but there are not very many good experiences when the government has a monopoly. But why are we going to allow the government to keep growing their monopoly? It's an awful idea. It's not a good idea. It's not working. And so anyway, that's, that's what I've been thinking about a lot because I think that, you know, and I said it, I said it the day that Governor Inslee locked us down, I said to a few people that I work with, just wait. Next budget session, capital gains tax is coming. 
and here we are. And here it came out yesterday. That's the goal. That's the thing. That's going to solve all the problems. That's going to take all the people off the street. That's going to make everything equal and fair. That's going to fix it all. And it's never fix it all, and it's never going to fix it all. And in a, in a, as a matter of fact, it's going to make it worse. And I frankly don't think he's going to get his way in that. I hope he doesn't. Uh, but I, I hope that more people will. And I'm, I'm jumping around here. Sorry. I'm not saying that you have to agree with me, that, that you have to think the way that I do. All I'm saying is I hope that you'll think about the outcomes, that, that, you'll, that we collectively will start looking at the policies that are adopted, and then that we'll look at the outcomes. Do the outcomes align with the promises? And then if they don't, at what point will we stand up and just say, okay, well, then we're going to try a different process because we want a different outcome. I think it's really important. I think it's going to continue to be important, especially um, into the next year as we deal with coronavirus and how we come out of all of that and where we go from here. Uh, I think that it's going to be a challenging time. I said that last time, and, and I don't think I think that there are going to be some areas where we're going to have to do make some sacrifices that maybe we haven't in the past, and and maybe we don't agree with why we've we're going to have to make those sacrifices. But but at this point, it's just really coming down to a matter of we might not have a choice. We probably don't have a choice. But at the same time, we got to start holding elected officials accountable. We got to start holding holding policy decisions accountable. And I think if we can do that, we can start to change the tide because as I stated earlier, most people that I deal with every day are pretty reasonable. I think most people still believe in the vision and the ideal of America. They understand we haven't executed perfectly. We got a long ways to go, but we've also come a long way. But the idea of liberty, freedom, liberty, and justice for all, I mean, what isn't to like about that, right? I can tell you that what we're experiencing right now isn't really freedom. And I know that there's some debate that can be had about, well, what, is, what does it look like to, to balance freedom and safety and all those things right now? And, and those are all debates worth having. But, um, but to just come right out of the gate before we've even had a chance to, to come out of this and say, hey, we're just going to kick you while you're down, I just think is, I don't know how we let somebody off the hook on that one. I really don't. And I hope that people will will be willing to say, hey, let's punt this one. Let's get, our, let's get back on our feet collectively before we start fighting again. And, and let's try and do what is best for our community, which is not to pummel the businesses and, and not to take money from people who are selling houses or stocks or whatever it might be just because the state thinks they need more revenue when they don't even manage the revenue they have very well right now. So anyway, 23 minutes in, uh, that's probably more rambling than I had hoped. But like I said, I, the, these are really just me speaking from my heart and trying to tackle things that I think are important because I think that they affect a lot more people than just myself and really just me sharing my thoughts. And, and maybe you don't agree and you can certainly tell me that. Hopefully we can have um, productive and respectful conversations and, and we don't have to resort to yelling at each other like so often happens on the internet. But I think we have to start talking about these things and I keep going back to we have to. Like 
somehow we have to have a reasonable party uh, politically. I mean, and I don't know what that looks like, and, and I don't even know if that's possible, but if we do not start coming together and saying, listen, we might not agree on everything, and there might be some really like important things we don't agree on, but what we do agree on is freedom, liberty, and justice for all. What we do agree on is that if we're not allowed to create monopolies in the business world because monopolies do bad things to the consumer, we probably shouldn't let the monopoly of government in our state, in our, in our federal system, keep getting bigger. Because, you know, monopolies in government are run by people, right? Monopolies in business are run by, oh yeah, people, right? So to think that just because someone works at the government, they're inherently less evil than someone who runs a monopoly in a business is really ignorant. And so I think that reasonable people have to start coming together and saying, listen, we know monopolies are bad. And we especially know monopolies are bad when you don't even have, like when they can tell you that you're going to give them your money. And, and that's what we're creating here. And I think that reasonable people have to come together and say, hey, let's just hit the brakes for a minute. Let's get, let's get people back to work. Let's get people living again, right? Let's tackle the immediate problems that are in front of us. And if we have to make some cuts and some sacrifices, we do. And then let's move forward. Because like, think about this. How many government employees have missed a paycheck so far? I mean, maybe there's some, but I don't know any. Do you think that, I keep thinking about this. So every time that the governors decided to shut us down, the people who don't work for the government or aren't connected to the government, if every time they shut us down, there was a law that said, okay, then you also have to lay off this many people in the government, or you also have to reduce wages for, for all these people in the government. Do you think that we would keep getting shut down the way that we are now? Heck no. Right? It's like we got two sets of rules in this country. We got rules for the law-abiding citizens and a different set of rules, which basically are no rules for the non-law-abiding citizens. And then we got rules for the businesses that are private, that you can't do any of these things and you can't make any money and your livelihood's not essential. And then we got rules for the people who work for the government. You don't miss paychecks. Maybe you get furloughed, uh, I don't know, six hours a week or whatever, but like you're not losing your pension. You're not losing your health benefits. Well, how's that getting paid for? By the businesses in the private sector who aren't generating any revenue or profit because they're not allowed to work? Well, how long can we do that for? And at what point are is everybody going to stand up and say, hey, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that that's what this country stands for. If, if you, Mr. Leader or Mrs. Leader, wants me to sacrifice you should sacrifice too. That's what leaders do, right? Your people should sacrifice. We should create, you know, they're all about equality and equity and a fair playing field, except for it's not fair. It's not fair. Hey, if you're a HVAC technician, right? If you're a plumber, if you work at a grocery store or a restaurant, for God's sake, it's not fair. You don't get to work. Maybe you get unemployment insurance, maybe you don't. But if you work for the government, don't worry, your pension's intact. You got a labor union, they'll take care of you. I just think that's not reasonable. It's not logical. It's not what America's about. It's not what we stand for. And I think that we, again, have to stand up and say, we might not agree on taxation completely. We might not agree on some of the buzz, the buzzwords. We might not agree on some of the big issues at the moment, but what we should agree on is that if we want America to survive, if we want to live another day to fight these other battles, 
then we better make sure that we don't fail right now. And I promise you, going out and raising taxes when we're trying to survive is going to make sure that we don't live to fight another day. And so I, I hope that we can do that. And I appreciate you watching this. I know I went another five minutes after I said I was wrapping up. And, and again, I don't necessarily have all, all the answers or any of the answers, but, but I do think that as I continue to have more conversations with people in real life, I just keep hearing more of this. It's like, hey, this does not represent us. This is not what we believe in. And this is not just people that agree with my worldview. This is people who are on all sides of the aisle that are just saying, this is going too far. This is too much. This is crazy. And we need to come together and we need to say, we're not doing this anymore. And if that means we need a different political party or that means we need to advocate differently or whatever, like, let's do it. Because we have to. We do have to. And yet, again, let's do it. Uh, let's do it where we don't lose, lose our joy and our peace. Where we can do it in love and with goodness and gentleness and kindness and self-control. You know, let's not be those people who are flying off the wheel, freaking out, screaming, cussing, calling people names. I mean, I can be passionate. You can be passionate. We can say what we want, what we believe. We can talk about what's important. And we can do it in a way, I hope. That's my goal. That's what I'm trying to do here. Um, where I can still be a witness, where I can still be a light, where I can still say that, listen, I might still not get my way, and, and the country might still continue to go down a road that I don't agree with, that I think is destined for disaster, but that I don't put my hope in the government. I don't put my hope in how much money I make or don't make. I don't put my hope in whether I have control or don't have control. I put my hope in the Lord. I put my hope in the fact that he's still on the throne and he knows the beginning from the end. I put my hope in the fact that he can use just one, even one person to change the course of history. I can put my hope in the fact that he may very well be doing things behind the scene that I can't see, that I don't know about, but that I trust him. I can put my hope in the fact that I don't know everything, that I, as long as I keep my mind open to continue to learn and to discern and, and to be logical, right? Like there's this push in the world today that says, no, it's not about logical. You got to be a super specialist and, and you can't just logically think for yourself and we're going to make it really complicated and there's going to be like, this person says this and this person disagrees and then we'll get these people to disagree so much from so many different angles that you can't discern the truth and then you don't know the truth. And then they tell you, and if you just try and step back and look at it from 30,000 feet and be logical about it, that you're somehow ignorant. We cannot buy into that. We can't. Because, because it, there is logic and there is reason. And a lot of what we're seeing today is neither of those things. And we need more of both of them. So anyway, that's my third wrap-up <laughs> here on this second episode. So again, thanks for being here. Thanks for watching this. Um, I'll be back next week for episode three, for the third shot on this. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. If there's something that spoke to you here, I'd love to hear about it. Um, if there's something that maybe is on your mind that you're wondering about that you think I might want to talk about, would you let me know? Sometimes it's easier if someone will ask me a question or, or bring up a, a topic than for me to figure it out. Because ultimately, I don't really want to just talk about what I want to talk about. I ultimately want to talk about what you would want to talk about. And then eventually maybe have you on the show and, and have those dialogues together. So that's my goal. If you like this, like I said last time, I'd love to ha have you leave a comment. Um, if you're listening to this on a, on a podcast platform, that really helps. And if you're on YouTube, hit that like button. I guess that helps too. 
Yeah, like I said last time, I don't think you need to hit the notification bell, but if you want to, please do. And ultimately, if, if you would continue to follow along for the journey or on the journey, I would really appreciate that. And um, yeah, let's just keep fighting the good fight. Let's keep doing it to the best of our ability the right way. And uh, let's let's put our faith in the fact that God's in control and that I think that he wants to use us and he wants us to be a light. And we're not always going to do it perfect, but I think if we keep leaning into him and leaning into each other, uh, we, we can be victorious in that. So again, thank you. I will see you next week. Take care.